morning, everyone. Thanks for dressing up for my chapel. I'm really impressed. Uh, I'm taking notes of a few of you that didn't, but thank you otherwise. So we're going to start this morning with a quick wildlife tour. Now, not wildlife like the staff Christmas party. Uh, Professor Branscombe does a Michael Jackson thing that is more disturbing than entertaining. You'll have to ask him about that one. Um, but I'm talking more about wildlife as in a National Geographic Channel moment. So I want to start by showing you the hyena. Hyenas are scavengers. They have a very, very powerful digestive system that allows them to fully consume their prey, skin, teeth, bones, everything. Because they fully consume everything they find, including animals that have been laying dead for a number of days, their bodies deal very, very well with bacteria. Because of their uh, habit of gluttony and eating everything, they actually frequently vomit. And of course, many of us have heard the phrase, laughing like a hyena. The cry that they make sounds like laughter to many cultures. The hyena, they consume everything fully and laugh while they do it. Second, the gecko. I moved here from Louisiana, and a frequent visitor in our backyard in Louisiana was a gecko. Now, these are not like the geckos that you've become familiar with who sells insurance to you. The uh, geckos that we had in Louisiana had this ability to change color based on their background. And a few years ago, we took the boys back to their heritage in Louisiana, and the people we were staying with, the first night I went into the backyard, onto the deck area, and I pointed out all the uh, geckos around there. Now, I could see them a lot clearer than the boys could because I knew what I was looking for. And so there were times where I'd say, there's one right there. And they would have to get a little bit closer and then they would see it. Remember that, Ben? And, and they, would, they would end up seeing it because the geckos in Louisiana do such a good job of blending into the background. Next is the ostrich. These big birds actually are best known for their weird habit of assuming they're safe by d putting their head down in the ground. It's like the little kid who's playing hide-and-seek and does this and thinks they're invisible all of a sudden. That's what the, what the ostriches are, are known for, other than being a fairly ugly bird. <laughs> and lastly, I want to tell you about the eagle. Uh, the eagle is beautiful birds that drift majestically above the earth, surveying what they see below and choosing their prey carefully from all that they see below. Their keen eyes can look down and decipher what they can use. And so if something looks like food, down they come and get it. If there's something that looks good for a shelter, they'll swoop down and they'll grab it and they'll use it. Uh, I actually have kind of a soft spot for, for eagles. They're really a majestic animal to me. Uh, there's such like a nobility to them almost. Maybe it's the American half of my dual citizenship that causes it, but they almost seem like a classy animal to me. For many years on the Kingswood campus, we actually had an eagle that flew over. I used to love it when it, it, we'd kind of stop and watch it because it was such a neat thing to see. Uh, we haven't seen it for a couple of years, so I don't know if it moved on or if it's in... Oh, you've seen it? Okay, still around. One day, in fact, we dressed up Steve Elliott as a rabbit and shoved it out on the lawn just to see if the eagle would come by. Uh, a few hours passed and he wasn't snatched up, so I just assumed that the eagle had moved on. I'm actually kind of glad that the eagle did not take Professor Elliott. It might have made him sick. Uh, and we can get in a lot of trouble for that. Did you know that? There's a law that says you cannot knowingly feed a bird something that will uh, make them sick. You've not heard of it? It's illegal. <laughs> we'll wait, there's some slower people. 
They're all dressed up, the necktie's on, and the brain is just no blood circulation, so. We'll come back to our safari in a minute, because I'm, I'm gonna tie that in. Uh, and before we get too far in this, I also need to uh, define popular culture. Culture stands above popular culture in that culture is a descriptive word that a sociology professor would use to describe descriptors of a group of people or a society. Culture would define the norms of that society that are based on historical assumptions, based on the opinions in the history books, uh, mentorship, descendants of parents and, and other leaders, uh, geography, whether they be a desert person or mountain folk, religion, race assumptions would be part of that, preserved art, preserved literature, <coughs> excuse me, and so on. Culture is passed down through time and through generations. Popular culture is a different focus. And in fact, over time, may become culture. It's defined as the formation of habits and ideas that masses uphold in a current period. It is this totality of ideas, perspectives, attitudes, all these things that have kind of an uh, informal acceptance or consensus. In other words, what people deem important today. And this would be fads, hero worship, political movements like global warming, uh, modern art, current religious movements or influences, slang language, interior designers, fashion designers, and so on. It actually might be easier if I put it this way, those uh, you know, time-filling TV shows and fluff publications would call these items hot as opposed to not. Culture dictates that you wear a shirt in public. Pop culture defines the words, advertising logo, or having bazinga written across it, okay? Oh, and another clarification I want to make here, too, is that popular culture is not defined as the secular world. And by extension, the church is not outside popular culture. The church lives in popular culture, and popular culture lives in the church. For instance, and this is a little off today, but it dictates the way many of us dress, Many churchgoers don't even own a suit jacket or a nice dress or, or fancier shoes. In fact, their fancy shoes are the newest pair of flip-flops they own. Mm -hmm. There's a fad right now to brand ourselves with tattoos and wear jewelry in all sorts of unique places. Uh, that segment is also very well represented in the church. And this is a recent thing because even as, as uh, close as a little over 25 years ago, tattoos and piercings were extremely rare. Tattoos were for drunk marines and jungle tribesmen. Piercings were for gypsies, pirates, and prostitutes. So you really need in the churches to be forgiving of that senior who questions the drawing on your arm or that hook in your nose. Because the cultural shift has been fast and very abrupt for them. Your pop culture is providing with their culture. While you're showing off your latest ink, they can't understand why a nice Christian girl would choose to look like a prostitute. It's a cultural clash that they're having a real tough time with, so be very, very uh, forgiving of that. Popular culture in the church is the reason so many churches have their pulpits hidden back somewhere next to the organ. We're a very visual culture as well, and churches use that. All sorts of presentation software, just like we have going on this morning. In fact, I get a real kick at it, because I used to run the PowerPoint summer shows. You would have a song that everybody knew. Maybe in a song you sing, every Sunday. But when the PowerPoint went out, they were lost. Amazing Grace House. <laughs> How 
Happened all the time. In fact, I, I have to confess, I did it on purpose one day. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, now, it's not that we were gambling. It was a friendly bet. It was lunch at Cracker Barrel. But I said to the worship leader, you wait. I'm going to take, I surrender all, and I'm just going to stop. And you owe me lunch if half the congregation stops singing. So many of them stopped singing, he actually owed me two lunches. It, was, it, it really worked well. So don't do that. So. The platform personnel often refer to elements of popular culture as a means of making a point or connecting. Quirky events from the newspaper are used as references are to current movies and to television shows and so on. The church is really not separate from popular culture. We really can't avoid it. It's always been this way. We just have different challenges with it. Theologian Karl Barth is credited with saying, preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. I guess nowadays the newspaper, we could say some sort of web presence. Since pop culture is chiefly driven by media, web, chat groups, TV, movies, music, and so on, and since on any given Sunday, more people gather in front of their screens than churches, and since most of us never ever take a Sabbath from our media, <coughs> I want to deal with media influences of established popular culture. And wow, that's the introduction finished. So, you didn't make any plans for one o'clock, did you? I want to thank Elizabeth and the chapel committee for inviting me this morning. This is a real honor and a responsibility. And thanks to Corey and Mrs. Proud. You did a good job up there, where we are. So, uh, she's going to be beaming all the rest of chapel. Uh. <laughs> So what's the big idea for today? What do we do to respond to popular media culture? Let's try this with some Bible references. Matthew 5, 13 to 17, um, often referred to in the Bibles as the salt and light thing. Can you read that? Is that readable, uh, readable for you up there? Why don't we stand and read this together if you, can, if you can do that. Just give you a little bit of a break here. So. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Thank you. So in the, in the world, not of it. And there was a handful of verses, that's why I had the, the praise team read those out to you. So let's just keep those in mind as we move along here. How do many Christians respond to popular culture? Well, now here's where we're going to go back to our animal friends here. Some are like the ostrich. They completely ignore popular culture, they criticize it, and they judge it without trying to understand it. And if any of the world wish to talk to them about it, they quickly bury their heads. They choose to be completely set apart like a, a hermit or the Amish. The problem with this is we become so set apart, and the phrase goes, so heavenly minded, that we're no earthly good. We're to be in the world, not of it. This approach takes us out of the world, Therefore, we are not in the world. We are told, go ye into all the world, so there's some problems with being an ostrich. I don't believe God intends us to avoid the culture. 
Spiritually set apart from the world doesn't mean hiding from the world. This attitude deems us, and by extension, Christianity, culturally irrelevant. If we do this, we're hiding the light. Who actually combs the caves looking for the hermit so the cave dweller can witness to them? Other than the feeling of getting away, there's not really a waiting list to get into the Amish communities because they're not really going into the world. You can choose to avoid it all, but God knew that you would live in this culture. We can long for another past time, but this era is the one that God chose for us, and you do have a purpose in his plans. Others are like the gecko. They expose their minds to the culture, and when they experience something that disagrees with their understanding of spiritual truth, they're too timid to react by taking a stand, speaking out, or simply walking away. They don't want to be left out, so they expose themselves to the world. They want to fit in. Their desperate need to be popular trumps their Christianity. In an attempt to not offend, they choose to blend in with the crowd. The challenge with this is found in Matthew 24 in which Jesus tells us many will be offended as we approach his return. And we do live in the midst of a very politically correct society. It seems people are looking for ways to be offended. It seems no matter what you do, some folks are going to be offended. It's how they claim power over you. If we geckos continue to blend in as to not offend, we become useless promoting the gospel. I have some news for you. The gospel is offensive to the world. And geckos compromise. We say, yeah, it did promote some really bad stuff, but the special effects were cool, or the acting was great, or the dialogue was great, and so on. I did this once in college. I went to see one of those Friday the 13th slasher films. It glorifies murder and raging hormones. Not something I should see ever, let alone during my college years. But you know where I went? It was in 3D. Something very unique at the time. The biggest challenge of the gecko is this. The mark of the unbeliever is the one who looks no different than the culture. Your label as a Christ follower will be easily defined by those around you. You will be the same as everybody else in the world. You just have church plans on Sunday mornings. And then some are like the hyena. They take it all in regardless of content or consequences. They rationalize their position by saying things like, it's just a TV show. They consume it all. They laugh at anyone who would claim they should know some show some discipline in their choices. And, like the vomiting hyena, these folks often let their tainted cultural consumption spill out. They have consumed so much garbage, they can't help but have it flow out of them. There are some real problems with being a hyena. You see, we are a product of what we continually expose ourselves to. We are a product of what we continually expose ourselves to. Unless we fight it, we can be easily controlled. Say this word five times fast. What's a cow drink? Water. Nah, you cheated. Most of you thought milk, didn't you? Okay. Some ideas can be connected to promote absurdity. Don't think of a pink elephant. Oh, now how, how, how many are now just thinking of a pink elephant? That's the very thing I told you not to do. Okay. I manipulated you 
to clearly picture something that does not exist. You know pink, you know elephant, I made the connection for you and you couldn't avoid it. Media creators and producers say the content doesn't affect us and yet they continue to charge millions to advertisers. Hyenas have a real challenge with the truth as well. For hyenas, repetition is the mode of establishing their belief. That's what I just did with the cow thing. If you repeat a lie enough times, it becomes the truth. And that's what pop media culture does. It lies, and it lies, and it lies. And once you're convinced of a certain lie is the truth, they build more lies on that foundation. That's one of the big challenges you had where we, where we brought the speaker in for Tuesday and Wednesday this week. You've heard a lot of lies in the culture about the topic that he had to talk about. And because you've been exposed to it so much, you start to question the scriptural basis on it. So he came here and he gave you the scripture again, and you sat here in the setting and you went, wow, that makes a lot of sense. But he was fighting the lies that you've been told over and over and over again, which was starting in your mind to become the truth. And that's how that, that's how that works. <clears throat> Hyenas usually do not have the ability to think independently. With no time to reflect before they allow more pop culture to influence them, they have to leave the thinking to somebody else. Why think about things if we can just Google it? This is a huge advantage that we, sit, that we have here at Kingswood as we try and prepare our graduates. Along with poor communication skills, many in our culture are losing the ability to think. And some of you have heard me talk about this in our classes already. They can tell you how they feel about things. That's a response based in emotion but they lack the skills to actually think about things and exercise of the mind. As hyenas, many have been trained to assume an emotional response is thinking. They search the web or listen to what their movies, music, television shows, and so on are telling them, and they say, that feels right. I guess that's what I think. This is a challenge many Christians have. They doubt God's existence unless they constantly feel him. If you are a hyena, and eat, a hyena and eat up all the popular culture lies before you, you will be overwhelmed by it. You will drown in the river you dove into. Years ago when I first shared portions of this talk, I was concerned about all the geckos I was seeing. In many ways, I was a gecko myself. I was warning people because geckos turn into hyenas. Now when I survey the Christian culture, I see many hyenas. Lastly, some react to pop culture in a different way. They are eagles. They survey the culture. Sometimes they swoop down to involve themselves in it. Other times they choose to sail above it. They look for opportunities to use the culture for their goals. Just as Paul used the culture to point people to Christ in Acts 17. He strolled through the many statues the culture had erected to honor their gods. <coughs> He connected to their culture by showing them his knowledge of who the gods were. And then he pointed to the unknown god, and he said who he was. Like an eagle, he surveyed the landscape, became familiar with it, then swooped down to involve himself long enough to use it. You see, being salt and light is the goal. We are to go into all the world. Salt is designed to enhance and season Salt on its own, useless. Salt applied to something, very useful. Light has to shine on something to be useful. Light needs darkness 
to be useful. Nobody points a flashlight at the sun to get a better look at it. And by the way, if you can find the sun, that would be a good thing. <laughs> Eagles use discernment. Discernment is keen insight or good judgment. The Bible usually uses the word when describing the ability to tell right from wrong or truth from lies. Discernment must be forefront as you enter the culture. Learn and listen, listen and learn about the culture, compare it to spiritual and scriptural truth, understand what it means and how you can use it. And so we come to this point where I'm going to give you a few suggestions to guide you along through this. Realize first, our fight is with ideologies, not current culture. But here's some guidelines I suggest. It does come down to motivation and discernment. Above all, be honest with God and with yourself. If you're not willing to be honest before God, none of this will matter. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. Beware of being a stumbling block. Your witness, your life, is being watched. The very best local reminder of this is on our hockey rink. Don't just cheer for our team. Pray for the team. Other hockey teams take joy in baiting our players. They're trying to make them hypocrites. We are being watched and we are being tested. And I need to tell you as an aside, I put that example in my notes for this about two weeks ago. And I understand we had a little bit of a problem the other night of the hockey game near the end. And I, I did check with the coach here to make sure it was okay to share this. But I wanted you to know I'm not talking about an individual thing happening there. I want us to be cognizant of that in general, that we get baited, especially on the hockey rinks. And you, those of you in the, fan, in the stands as well. Uh, so just keep that in mind as we do that. When it comes to pop culture, limit exposure. How much of your time is spent connecting to the media culture? Should you be doing other things? You're at school, maybe there's a term paper due. Uh, you could be studying, there's exercise, reading, praying. Here's a weird one, actually interacting with people. Did you ever consider this? Think about how much time and effort goes into maintaining your social networks and what it takes away from your here and now networks. We've all seen it, people that finally get a chance to get together in a restaurant, and three out of the four are doing this. The third one's sitting there going, why did I arrange this? Huh? Is that really the priority that we should have? It's interesting to me because if you don't work on your here and now relationships, who are you gonna text in five years anyway? You didn't build any relations. Huh. Most of us know people that are constantly connected to their social media. If only God would join their, their chat group, then they could spend more time with them. This is actually a real challenge for me in the classroom, often as a professor, but because I do wellness and get to watch some other people teach, sometimes it's as an observer as well. I, I just can't get my head around the habit of people sitting in a classroom doing other things on their screens. Like, do you know how fortunate you are to be here? Uh, there, I, I wrote down, there's 35 million people in Canada, great deal more in the States, 316 million in the States. But to make this point and make it easily, we're going to assume you're all locals. You all came from the Maritimes. There are 2 million people in the Maritimes. If we do the math of how many students we have here and how many people live in the Maritimes, you are one in 12,000 people that are able to be here. And this is a really special place. I believe God's favor rests on Kingswood. He arranged for you to be in this place at this time, one in 12,000. 
He's directed and shaped all the lives of the faculty to be here for you at this time. We have sought his wisdom in creating our curriculum and our individual classes. We firmly believe his hand directed it all to focus in on this time for you. And many of you spend the opportunity texting or improving your useless game scores. It frustrates me, but I, I actually believe it really grieves the Lord. I truly do. You must step away from culture to assess it and reflect on it. Get away from the constant input. Have screen-free locations and screen-free times. I've never understood parents that allow TVs and computers in their children's room. We need to shut off the media more often. Oh, and if you suspect somebody's becoming a hyena, give that person a loving, not judgmental, but give that person a loving warning. If the plank has been successfully removed from your eyes so you can see the warning signs, help a brother or a sister out. <coughs> a few years ago, I watched a documentary on the 2004 tsunami. It was this Boxing Day event that killed over 200,000 people. Before those massive waves crash into the shore, they have to collect water. And so if you're on the beach, there's a, a, a dry docking of the boats, like when you see when the fundy tides go out. It pulls all the water away from the beach, and the beaches become huge as the water is drawn out into the ocean. I watched some of the footage on the special that was collected by tourists. In most of the ports, you could hear people yelling. They, they knew the warnings, and they were telling people to get off the beach and run as fast as they could and as far as they could. But in one particular scene, I don't know what tropical beach this was, the event played out very differently. A young groom was videotaping his bride on the beach, and as the water receded, he's doing a commentary. Look at that, honey, the, where's all the water going? That sort of thing. But the disturbing thing was the other thing that the video captured. On it, you can clearly see locals briskly leaving the beach, walking right past this oblivious couple. Not a word or a gesture was made to save them. The young couple were not educated about the situation. They were absorbed by the moment. They didn't know they were in danger. And by the time they knew their situation, it was too late. You see, the camera survived. The couple did not. If the plank has been successfully removed from your eyes so you can see the warning signs, help a brother or a sister out. Please don't let media culture replace Christ. Beware of connecting to the media replaces God time in any way. Be honest with yourself before God. See, we don't like the silence. We've been taught it's awkward. Meanwhile, God is craving just one minute alone with you. Funny how the silence connected most of you. It's probably one of the few times this morning I had the attention of the whole room. That's why I looked around. You were all with me when I went silent. Would that maybe work with God? God needs you to be quiet at times. God needs your mind at peace. Don't feed your weaknesses. If seeing violence makes you violent, avoid violent content. If pornography draws you in, avoid even mildly sexually based media. If marital commitment ends up being an issue, avoid shows that seem to promote adultery and fornication. If anger is an issue, avoid much of the content of secular rap artists and so-called reality shows. 
Both of those mediums promote a great deal of anger. Be honest before God about this. Always look for the connection. Do we believe God speaks in the cultural context or is it only in the Christian context? He's in the world, but not of it. It's basic Sunday school theology, so we know God isn't contained only in church buildings and Christian homes. He's everywhere he wants to be. But we don't always act like we believe that simple truth. Media is powerful, music moves, drama is compelling. Movies are the stained glass windows of the 20th century. A quote from Michael Catt, you're familiar with him with the Sherwood pictures. Cinemas actually could be the modern equivalent of parables. They have a potential to spread a good or a bad message we could be called upon to be the interpreters. As you know, Jesus himself used parables to expound on his message. And as powerful as any sermon may be, a personal story, either true or fictitious, can have a far greater power. If all those World Vision-type commercials have desensitized the population about Africa, a viewing of Hotel Rwanda will bring it back strongly. Know the ideas behind the playbook of the culture. As I see it, the media attempts to teach us, among other things, it's all about you. Live for the moment, demand it now. There's no penalty for ignoring godly parameters in regards to sexual activity. Language skills are optional in reference to poor grammar and definitely in foul word choice. Skin deep beauty is all that matters. You're an idiot if you don't vote for the candidate with the ultra-liberal policies. Disagree with Obama, you're a racist. Disagree with Hillary, you're anti-woman. Unless you promote homosexuality, you're a homophobe. Parents are dummies and should be considered the enemy, especially fathers. Fellows, if you want the sexy girl, you must drink a great deal of our brand of beer. Because there's nothing that attracts the girls like a drunk reeking of beer, right ladies? Shopping makes you happy. Marital commitment is unrealistic. There are no moral heroes. Everyone is hiding something nasty and we need to expose it and drag them down. If it feels good, do it. Here's one for you, Kirk. Truth is relative. I didn't lie, you asked the wrong question. Arguments are won by the person who shouts the loudest. And if it's of any value, it's entertaining. I often ask my boys, what did that show, movie, or commercial just try to tell us? Oh, and here's one more to add to the list. Christianity is the enemy. Don't let culture tell us how to be Christians. Trust your Bible. Trust your spiritual leaders. I mean, search logos before you search Google. I'm really wary of Christians who have made it their life calling to blast the church. We've heard some of these folks even standing in this pulpit over the years. For the most part, the mainstream media hates the church. Why would any Christian trust the opinion of CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, or any other mainstream outlet? Their media hounds seek out that one in a thousand Christian embarrassments to feature on the news. And yet these Christian church bashers seem to shape their opinions based on the content of the media pop culture, a culture that is trying to discredit the church. You know this, but remind yourself of it. We are the church. We are. Not what you see on CNN. Beware of the rating system. It ignores morality and only addresses specific elements, not the overall morality and ideology. 
They use it as a checklist of vices. Since it only counts from this list of vices to make its determination, the system is flawed. The adult ratings are a great guideline. For most, this is true, and we likely should avoid blatant genres altogether, like that stupid slasher movie I mentioned earlier. Why a mature Christian would flock to every chapter of an ultra-violent franchise or a known sexually explicit film, it's just beyond me. What Hollywood deems as adult entertainment is far from adult. Why, when you have the choice between drinking clean water or muddy, would you choose the mud? There are some exceptions worth mentioning. In some very rare occasions, the R rating is misleading. Although rated R for violence, I consider The Passion of the Christ to be a very good film. I would say that of most of Schindler's List, although there are some scenes I would disagree with that also deserve the R. The Billy Graham film on Corey Ten Boom, The Hiding Place, was a violent film in parts. It was given a PG-17 rating. It's still a worthy watch. Those are rare exceptions, so I urge you trusting the R. But you know, the fact of it is, if the Bible were initially published today, it would be given an R rating, and Christian bookstores would ban it. The point I'm making here is not to promote you playing viewer Russian roulette with R-rated films. Instead, I want to warn you about the devil's subtleties because there are some dangerous G-rated films out there. Two that come to mind as a parent are Pocahontas and The Princess and the Frog, both Disney films. Although free of the Vice checklist, both have elements I wish my children hadn't seen at their young age. Pocahontas also fails because it's rewriting history. The Travelers of John Smith successfully brought Christianity to the natives. The film portrays the natives converting the visitors to the New Age and the Love Earth cult. I'm not against the ratings as a warning tool, but don't put full trust in it. When I worked as a movie critic for our university newspaper, I would warn readers about the language, the violence, and the sexual content. I would also tell them how it was used. I really, though, discussed ideologies and worldviews more than anything else. Regardless of the rating, discern what the entertainment is actually saying to you. Don't ignore the ever-present Holy Spirit. Could you and Jesus go to see that movie together, watch that show, listen to that music, and so on? Because you actually are watching it together. You asked him to be there, so God is always with you. If you needed to be a little bit more focused in, don't expose yourself to anything you wouldn't be willing to talk about in front of the Kingswood community or your church or your Christian parents or mentors. Support shows that seem to be getting it right. When I was closer to your age, it was shows like Touched by an Angel and the Sue Thomas FBI, those types of shows. There's actually very few examples of fit today, so you might have to start viewing some classic channels or search Netflix. I wanna mention another critter here just quickly. That's Christian sharks. Sharks turn on their wounded. They devour the weakest in their packs. I am calling you to a portion of grace when it comes to Christian films. Our chief complaints that we have about poor acting, contrived scripts, and so on are actually very present in Hollywood releases as well. They're just glossed up much better. The Christian market is one of the most difficult to cultivate because we tend to be critical first and need to be convinced it's quality. When we go to a movie in the theaters, we assume it's going to be good first and then get led into the fact that maybe it wasn't all that good. We flip that for some reason as Christians. Many Christians balk against edgy material and then they complain because it was too sugary. 
Christian filmmakers have a huge budget and distribution issues. As long as that challenge remains, it will always be a B-rated industry. So show some compassion. And if networks do pre present redemptive media, write the networks and advertisers and tell them you appreciate the attempt. Don't give them a list of points of theological differences. Praise the very rocks for yelling out. And look, folks, if you see a, a Christian film that you think that the media might allow themselves to be, that, that the culture might allow themselves to be exposed to, write the different networks and ask them to show it. If they get in touch with the Christian film distributors and say, hey, we've heard about this film, we've had some requests to show it, what would it cost us to put it on there? They would probably say, here, and they'll put it out there. We, we do make a big difference when we do that. So when you write them, write them backwards on it. Tell them you, you appreciate what they're doing. Don't give them a list of points of theological differences. Praise the very rocks for calling out. Be informed. Talk to other Christians about the culture. <clears throat> Over the years, I've had pals that like doing this all the time. We were actually disappointed when the other one hadn't seen a film because we wanted to talk about it. When you become one, or if you're a parent, talk to other parents and compare notes. Know what the culture is reading, listening to, and watching. There are publications that will help with this. My favorites are Movie Guide, Clash Entertainment, and World Magazine. Others of you use Relevant Magazine, Christianity Today, and so on. If you find a known critic or friend you trust, if you read their interviews, it'll save you some money and save you some regrets. Use them as your discretion fence. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Interesting to look at, but don't dive in. I'd admit it looks like it would be a neat thing to do, but the rocks would kill you. And once you dive in, you're committed. That's why there's a fence. They should nickname the fence discretion. It causes us to stand and see it, but not pulled in. If a Christian or brother or sister has warned you, listen to them. Use the fences that God has provided. Keep the dialogue going. If we don't talk about content and issues with the world, that will continue to buy into the lies of the secular culture. Don't go to a movie without coffee shop time. Be willing to talk honestly about the, what the culture is teaching us. Now here's the caveat. You must be around and available to non-Christians, and they must know that you follow Jesus. This will allow them to be inclined to talk to you about these things. It may be in the form of a challenge, but at least it's dialogue. Cultivate a knowledge base. Condemning based on assumptions will just shut down the dialogue. And folks, that doesn't mean you have to see it to discuss it. Don't expose yourself to garbage just to, correct, to create a knowledge base. I actually love this quote that we have from my buddy Kenny Sailors. He's a Christian filmmaker who will actually be with us on the Kingswood campus in February. He'll be coming and talking about Christians in media. I think I'm going to get physically ill if I see one more Christian post or comment saying, I'm going to see Noah to start a conversation. My friend, if you need to spend God's money and over two hours of your life on an anti-biblical movie just to start a conversation with an unbeliever, you've got bigger problems to worry about. But Mr. T, how can I talk about it if I haven't seen it? Listen, folks, you can make what you've heard or you can make your assumptions a question. I heard this, or I'm assuming this. Is that true? Be spiritually smarter through it. God knows it all. The more you approach God, the more wisdom he'll grant you. King Solomon flat out asked for it, and God gladly gave it to him. Cling to Psalms 119, 125. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. Seek and apply the wisdom God is more than willing to grant you.
It comes down to motivation, discernment, and honesty before God. Pop culture is our culture. We can't avoid it, so let's use it. Let's shape it for God's glory. But beware, James 4.4 tells us a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Many of you have a serious problem with this. There are many cultural hyenas in this room. I've seen it in our interactions. It spills out of you. <clears throat> Last Friday, Scott Rhino went on a bit of a tangent. He called some of you out on some of the shows that you were watching. He pleaded with you to stop watching shows like that. I'll admit to my broken humanity, my first reaction to that was, hey, 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 stick to your assignment. That's what they asked me to tackle. Now my stuff's going to be a repeat. Hey, when it comes to being petty, I'm an overachiever. But I actually didn't stay there very long at all because I believe God was in that moment. He needs you to hear this twice and not just twice, but again and again and again and again until you hear it. Listen. God is trying to break through. This is a real issue. He's pounding on your door. He's pleading. He has so much for you. There's so much he wants to do through you. Stop swimming in feces. Stop being so smug. Stop saying, I can handle it. No, you can't. God knows you can't. That's why you keep hearing this message. Stop telling God you know better than him. Stop telling him to go away through your entertainment choices and your other distractions. Stop fighting with God. God's really a poor sport when it comes to this. If you don't let him win, he'll bench you. And he'll let you leave the team. Has there been a conviction here? Is God breaking through or can you hardly wait to get out of here and get back to your screens? Have you actually been using your screens while we've been here? You have a problem if you have. Do you want to be an eagle? It's going to be tough, but like that thing I handed out for you to take with you, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I don't always open the altars, but I think I need to today. And so the altars are going to be open. Come up here and throw away that hyena mentality. Spend some time seeking God's voice. And praise team, you stay where you are. I talked about the quiet. We're going to do a quiet invitation this morning. All right? Did a great job, thank you. But I'm just, I'm just feeling that's what I need to do. For God's sake and your own, become an eagle. And we're just gonna give a minute here if people wanna to come to the altar, they can, and then we'll wrap it up in a minute. Stand and be praying, folks, please. Come now if you need to. If you were convicted, do not walk out of here. That's you going back into it. And I'm not pleading like, like a charismatic preacher trying to fill this altar, but please, if this is spoken to you, you have a problem. 
You don't necessarily need to show it publicly by coming to this altar, but please don't run from this. You are blocking God with this. Please, I, I beg you. Okay? There's so much that can happen with this group if you let God in. There's so much you can learn that you're missing in your classes. There's so much of God's voice that you are not hearing because you're blocking it out. Please be eagles.